our podcast within a podcast pottering around the weirdly successful business plan involving giant canaries of Mangum Reads. We are three muggles who are also concerned when our socks match. My name is Sarah. I am joined, as always, by my co-host BJ and Spencer. How are you all doing? I guess I'd be concerned just from how unusual it would be from the norm to have two pairs of matching socks just available. That's just not part of my (laughs) life really plan. And the comparisons to Dobby keep flowing. Oh, they're in (laughs) vogue this chapter. (laughs) Um, so we are on, oh, my book is across the room. I don't know what chapter we're on. It's called The Yule Ball. We're in the fourth book of Harry Potter. (laughs) It is. Chapter 23. Um, and we have some segments that we do here. We have a rapid fire recap, which I am actively dreading already. We have BJ's Wizard Wheezes, Newbie's Notes with Spencer. Uh, we award house points. And, um, then there are questions and queries and, um, all sorts of Other things. things like that. That, that makes you so excited yes, all the time. Yeah. So really, I have two main segments where I have to do things here and I don't like either of them today. <laughs> well, when it comes to the first segment, Sarah, a couple chapters back, I said, wow, it's, the book really has it out for you. This was the longest chapter ever. Apparently the machine spirit that infests this book took that as a challenge. Mm-hmm. And has offered us a 29, 30 page chapter now. Clearly the longest one yet. That is all I will point out conversation. Like it's just, <laughs> it is the entire cast of characters in one room talking to each other. Yes, and with some yeah. damn character moments too. So, And luckily for you, this ball was mostly held for fancy dress. Okay. All right. Do, 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 you, do you dare have a prediction, or is this just hope and a prayer, winging a prayer for two minutes? I mean, I um, I did make up some time last week and uh-huh. um, got a, a solid point from that as you well. Did. <laughs> so I'm going to go for broke. I will, I will put my bet at one minute and 55 seconds. Okay. I'm writing it down. I actually have found the stopwatch this time, so you can watch yourself in real time. Well, isn't that a little Christmas miracle? Do you prefer the stopwatch or not? Is it option? I honestly no don't care. No, I do. I do prefer the stopwatch. I I like um, watching my doom come in for me. From a distance. The, the saltiness is completely separate from whether there is a stopwatch or not. <laughs> yeah, this is ancillary to the conversation. All right, you have your chapter. You have your goal. You have your mission. Are you ready? Just be thankful I haven't sent you some tongue tongue toffee. That's true, I suppose. Oh, and don't forget the uh, peace sign when you're done. Oh, right. Okay. It's Christmas at Hogwarts. Ron is taken to ambushing Hermione with questions about her date to the Yule Ball. Malfoy overhears and insults Hermione's teeth again, causing her to admit that she let Madame Pomfrey resize them a little more than was strictly necessary. Pig's back with a letter for Sirius, who warns him to keep his guard up. On Christmas Day, Dobby wakes Harry up with a pair of, pair of hand-knit socks. Harry scrounges a pair of old socks for him, and Ron adds a pair to the pot. They spend the afternoon in a giant snowball fight, although Hermione leaves hours early to get ready. The boys finally go up, and Ron's dress ropes are perhaps more horrible than predicted. In the entrance hall, Hermione's nowhere to be in sight. McGonagall calls the champions and their dates over when they finally realize that Crumb's date is Hermione and she is looking good. 
in the great hall the top table has all the school headmasters and judges but percy is there instead of crouch he's been promoted and crouch is unwell they have the feast where karkaroff tries to get crumb to stop talking about durmstrang and dumbledore poo-poos all the secrecy <laughs> fleur is still unimpressed by everything after the food harry makes it through the dancing but is not overly interested in more to Par- parvati's displeasure he finds ron who's ignoring his date and glaring at hermione and crumb so harry decides to do the same with cho and cedric when hermione rejoins them ron goes off goes off on her on loyalty and enemies it's an ugly scene after hermione storms off percy comes over which is not an improvement he catches sight of fred and george um accosting bagman and percy is livid harry and ron escape for a walk where they overhear a conversation between snape and karkaroff who's increasingly concerned snape tells him to flee if he wants they also catch sight of hagrid and maxime having an intimate conversation where hagrid is trying to find out about her background and maxime is extremely offended when hagrid asks which parent was a giant inside ron explains that giants are known to be vicious killers and it's no wonder wonder hagrid has kept it quiet after the after the dance harry is caught by cedric who gives him some cryptic advice about the golden egg take a bath when he gets back to the common room ron and hermione are are already there in the heat of another argument hermione ends the row by shouting at ron not to ask her to a dance as a last resort ron mutters that she's missed the point but harry's not so sure impressive damn well done that was that was a good summary too thank you so i'm curious if you uh sh- shortened pigwidgeon's name just to save on time i was i was actively taking out words and tenses and clauses <laughs> to save syllables at the end of this this was a a full-on four rounds of edit edits for this summary so i am i cannot tell you how pleased and delighted i am that this has worked out in my favor proper two-point score it's a return to form everything's looking up sarah oh i do have more time on my hands now so i actually practice practice these occasionally (laughs) (laughs) oh but um i also like cannot breathe so bj um so so this is sort of an interesting chapter because there's some wheezes that I have, but I feel like a lot of wheezes that I have are going to sort of end up on Newbie's notes um, and encroaching a little bit on Spencer's specialty, um, his uh, mm. silly spirals. But um, I do have many things to talk about. First of all, it's great that we have a callback from Hermione uh, getting in a good one, calling Malfoy a twitchy little ferret. Um, thoroughly amused. Uh, it, very on point for Hermione to remember that one thing. Um, but kind of funny. Um, so I have to question JK Rowling's like view on how people are in school at the age of what, 15 now? Um, uh, I think they're they're all fourth years. They're 14. What? They're 14. They're 14? Mm -hmm. Okay. Even so. Yeah. Um, Ron prioritizes being nasty to Pigwidgeon over (laughs) like flirting with girls. And that's insane to me. I like I don't know why this is a a choice that is being made in this book. Um maybe we we do get some glimpses that Ron is interested in a particular girl and that's why he's not. That was a very interesting noise. But I I, I will say that like that steadfast devotion seems a little bit weird for a fourteen year old. Um Ron doesn't know what he is, doesn't know what he wants. He's just winging it when it comes to life. Ron, he Ron just really likes is, to be mean to Pigwidgeon. He, when, <laughs> that's, that's all we need. I will say, just generally in this chapter, Ron is sort of ratcheting around like a bludger <laughs> all over the place. Thunk, yes. thunk, thunk. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I am, I have, I am ambivalent about the conjunctivitis curse. It seems a, like kind of amusing and hilariously lazy. <laughs> um, it's just like, oh, 
here's a C word. I'm not going to do anything with it. I'm not like, it's just, it's just there for the take. Um, but you know, what can you do? Uh, I will also say that Harry's disappointment in the socks that he got is very weird. <laughs> they like, sound like the coolest ass socks I've ever heard of. They have snitches like I, and broomsticks. I guess that they're not matching per se, but I'll tell you, you know, I'll tell you what this is. This is a sign that this book was written in the early 2000s and not in the sort of post 2010 era when like badass yeah. socks oh, became shit. the yes. rage again. So right. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that what we're really getting here is a timestamp mm, on mm, this book. Mm. Yes. Of the things to date this book, this is a very weird one, <laughs> but it does Song date it very well. Um, yeah, it just, it's sort of one of those things that like, I guess that wasn't a thing back then, but I, I still feel like it does. It was. Um, I, I have a question, query, and quibble that I'm going to ask now because it has actually nothing to do with the plot. Um, but have Crabbe and Goyle been retconned as, as gay? Because th- there was sort of a... I'm sure they have. I don't I don't know okay. that for... But I, I'm sure that they have. Because um, Harry was pleased to see that neither of them had found a partner and they're not quite there together, but... I think they might have found mm. a partner. Is this a, and aren't we all happy for this? Is this kind of uh, retroactive sexuality retcon common in this in this series? Oh, oh. yes. Oh, a hundred percent. There are lots of things that we're not going to discuss on this pod, probably, that have been retconned into being. We might um, do a uh, summing up episode in which I will need a lot of wine before <laughs> we start. But <laughs> yeah, um, that you know, maybe we can combine are, it with mm, the epilogue of mm. the last book. Yes. Uh, so you know how in like West Wing, the there are certain things that are the third rail that you never touch because they're yes. problematic. Uh, J.K. Rowling retconning is is that for ah, Harry Potter? Gotcha. She can't stop herself. She just can't stop herself. Yes. Much as we all want her to. Right. Well, maybe I'd prefer to ignore that um, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So again, not inconsequential characters have uh, alliterative names with Pansy Parkinson. <laughs> Uh, it feels like she's been really lazy, and there are lots of P uh, alliterative names, yeah, especially in this chapter. Parvati but... and Padma Patel, yes. Pansy Parkinson, yeah, fair enough. Um, sort of, you know, cliches of the book at this point. Um, and then, I mean, I guess this is very on brand. J.K. Rowling clearly hates the French and probably Parisians in particular. Um, the amount of ranting about food that can be gotten in England. Uh, by Fleur is is impressive, <laughs> uh, given that it sounds like you can just order basically whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, unsurprising. You can order whatever you want, but it would still be made by the English. Uh, I mean, that's why uh, chicken tikka is <laughs> the national dish, right? Are you, are you finished wheezing for now, BJ? No, no, no. Uh, <laughs> Ron calling Victor Vicky is very on brand and kind of entertaining uh, and heavily tips the hand that we get at the end of the uh, chapter that that he's uh, more interested in Hermione than than we might have otherwise gleaned. Uh, than he might have otherwise hit. gleaned. This seems to be the first time he's realizing this might be a thing. Yes. Everybody else gets it, but uh, maybe not him. Um, we do have further proof that both Hagrid and McGonagall seem to have very busy private lives. Um, I am appreciative that the text backs up my 
initial wheezes that were a couple of books ago that that y'all were poo-pooing me over hey i did not fight you on these points i did that's true i got a lot of pushback from spencer and and silence from you which i should have taken as as uh being complicit um i will also complain about ali bashir smuggling flying carpets Hmm. really really um and lastly oh my god I get that rustling in the bushes is a, th- a thing, and probably the only bush that she could think of was a rose bush. But of all the things that you want to do, Mm-mm. rose bushes are not. They're the not place friendly to do plants. It. So I'm also a little uh, confused because, like, presumably they would the entire rest of the castle would be empty at this point. Like, couldn't you just it's be a inside? Big castle. Your headmasters talked about that rooms just appear at random, and you've picked a rose bush out front. Yeah, poor life choices. I mean, at least they weren't going with the Whomping Willows unless, you know, they're into that. So, uh, and with that, Spencer. Uh, first, I'll start with a question I don't expect an answer to, but does Harry ever study once, ever? When like, when, he's, like, when he's not like immediate threat of being murdered in the next chapter, is there anything that motivates him to pick up a book? Because even, even in this chapter, that's not enough. I feel like every other chapter opens well, with, and so Harry didn't study. Well, but to be fair, this is one of the few times where Hermione's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I get and it. And then, of course, time. Harry gets a pass at the end of the chapter with respect to what he really should have been studying when somebody just swoops in to give him the answer, because plot. Uh, <laughs> well, he was a good yeah, egg the yeah. last time, mm-hmm. and one good turn deserves another. Thank you for that, BJ. Um, never trusting food prepared by Fred and George is probably a life lesson that everyone in this world should live by. It, we have, Harry mentioned it explicitly. Well, wait, 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 wait. I mean, to be fair, they have pulled the greatest trick ever. This is, this is better than, you know, convincing the world that the, the devil doesn't exist. They have convinced people that they're trustworthy to take things from. I don't know they, how this insanity started. They didn't, though. There's no grounds for that. For anyone. Ever. I mean, cl- memory charms. Memory <laughs> charms is the only, only possible reason that anybody ever takes any. The entire from population it. of Britain. Can you imagine how much these guys are going to get sued once they actually start releasing products to the public? I mean, I think part of it's like the entertainment value. And I, yeah, I think that people are kind of enjoying turning into canaries at random moments. <laughs> Certainly, their friends are. Fine. Is anyone going to enjoy tongue, tongue, tongue? Ton tongue toffee once that reaches the market. I think I mean, you just buy those to give to your friends. That you don't want to be friends anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that there are specific situations that having a large tongue would be important. I don't know. Uh, you, you noted, BJ, but man, Hermione really is demonstrating how one should actually handle Malfoy. Is that she not only gets him with the whole ferret joke, she also gets him to just utterly piss his pants with the idea that maybe Mad-Eye Moody is behind him. When he isn't. It's great. Yep. Mm-hmm. Malfoy's yes. utterly silenced mm-hmm. and embarrassed in front of all, of all of his friends. This is how you should handle him other than just the utterly impotent fury that Ron and Harry always go with. And then follow... <laughs> I mean, I think that that's a very good description of Utterly Harry. impotent fury? Yes. Fair. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Hermione apparently has a whole life going on behind the scenes that we just don't get to see on the page. I know, and isn't well, that interesting? <laughs> We've seen apparently not because Harry's playing catch up this entire chapter for what apparently Hermione's been doing for like the last couple <laughs> weeks. She, yeah, but she's been in the library with Crumb all the time and gets cranky when other girls show up. So there's that one. Yes, and she but got that's her the one I actually mean. Yes, that one's been there for a while. And Ron and Harry 
didn't notice. Also, like, did we miss the part where she had braces or it was, she was going to get braces? She was, her, her parents wanted her to go through the process of having braces. Like, I think she yeah. went to them at one point and was like, you know, I can magically shrink my teeth. And they right. were like, so more dentists and say, muggles like, and, you know, don't mess with your we teeth. We should get you braces. <laughs> but also, this seems a little late to start, especially her parents being dentists. Oh, no. yeah. you know, when did I have braces? Uh, I think I might have gotten them when I was like 13 or 14. I think it was 12, 13, around that range. Yeah. I think they, I think they want all your baby Something teeth like to that. be out or whatever else. It delays it a little bit. Um, yeah. But I was thinking once we once we got her playing a trick on Malfoy and then her fixing her teeth and just the confident swagger she has as she's hiding the fact she has a date. Like, man, Hermione's really grown up. She's coming into herself. This is a high point for her in this chapter. Little did I know we weren't done yet with the Hermione story. <laughs> Uh, Ron. <laughs> yeah, she had her own. She had her own Ron. wild ride. Uh, yeah. Meanwhile, Ron's just not even bothering to hide his animal cruelty from an audience. And I like that the the girls were even shocked. Even in the story, were shocked and appalled at what he was doing. It's like, oh, it's such a cute, cute owl. And Ron just grabs it in one hand with its head just kind of bulge-eyed, sticking out of the top. As these two girls just look on in horror, what the hell are you doing? And he just waves it at him like, get away, get away. At, at least Pigwidgeon does seem to exist in the sort of, like, cartoon animal yes. world, because I do like that she just hooted happily. <laughs> attention, attention, this is great. Any attention is good attention <laughs> at a certain point. Oh, good. Pigwidgeon and Stockholm Syndrome. That's what we're getting. Happiness and slavery. We see that a lot in these books. Mm -hmm. uh, I enjoy... So is Pigwidgeon going to be an elf uh, advocate later in the books? Yeah, she's joining the House Elf Liberation It's going to be a front. hell of a manifesto that Al delivers. I... Well, she can deliver things several times the size of her own body. Okay. I was going to say, and you know, it's going to be a funny speech. I'm going to move on before we continue this train. Thank you. Uh, I enjoy that we get another read on Sirius's character for the method that he would have used to defeat the dragon. Is that he would have used the exact same method that Crumb did that was the most violent and destructive and caused the most lasting harm. Sirius is a good guy, but he's a certain flavor of good guy. Good guy mostly in the sense that he's on the mm -hmm. side of our main character and supporting him rather than necessarily he's a very pleasant person. Uh, yeah, I mean, but like... The other side of it is It's effective, effective. but casually I mean, destructive in a way that the rest of the methods weren't. And, you know, collateral damage be damned. Right. And I'm guessing that he would have been in Auror if he wasn't an Azkaban. Based on what we find out of yeah. Auror's later in this chapter, sure, yeah, wholesale genocide, great. <laughs> uh, I mean, we know Mad-Eye Moody was, and he's not, he doesn't <laughs> take many names, but when he does... With respect to Dobby and Sox, I was trying to debate, would he and I be best of friends or worst of enemies with respect to my predilection for just <laughs> losing socks everywhere? I, I mean... I think he would collect them and wear them one on top of so the other. So long as we had that arrangement, yes. he'd be great. If he found out that I was just casually leaving socks behind, I feel like I would have insulted his religion. Yes. Mm -hmm. Also, interestingly, we have a old socks from a very fat man being put on a house elf, which I find to be an interesting thing that exists in the world. Mm -hmm. It's a pair of leggings. Um, so we need to revise our imagery of what house elves look like to realize that they have trunks for legs. Sure. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, don't, 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 no. Uh, as you guys noted, that is really the sweetest damn gift that Dobby could have given Harry. That is so nice and so much work and so much crap with his first salary to make what is to him the most important kind of category of object in the world. 
And they also just sound awesome, too. And Harry can't even be asked to care. I mean, and it's also, it's not like it was just mismatched Christmas colors. Mm -hmm. It was also with stuff that somehow Dobby knows he's super Mm -hmm. interested in. Dobby cares. Dobby's paying attention. Harry? Mm -hmm. Spencer, I'm glad you agree with me that Harry is a horrible bully and doesn't have many readers. This chapter's not a great read, neither Harry or Ron, but we're going to get to that. Uh, Yeah, speaking of, as noted by one of the side characters, which I unfortunately didn't write down who it was, Harry and Ron have the two prettiest girls of their class going with them, and they're both miserable. Didn't... Dean Thomas. Dean Thomas figured that out. You guys are going with the prettiest girls in the class. He's just a lucky bastard. And the two of them are just pissed off. Didn't even ask him. They just can't be bothered. Didn't even make an effort to ask them. They just walked up to him randomly at the end as a fallback plan. It worked out great. And the two of them are just bitter the entire damn time. Mm -hmm. Um, And we go from there to the dance. And as said, Hermione and her, you know, grand reveal she's all grown up moment was epic. Like, to the point they didn't even recognize her at first. She is the belle of the ball. And she's just wandering out there with just utter confidence. She's even got some swagger she's going about this. While Harry's barely able to e- even able to keep on his feet and functioning, she's waltzing through the hall, entertaining people, maintaining delightful conversation with her date, seemingly having a great time before Ron sticks his nose in things. Like, man, quietly, off camera, Hermione is just so leagues ahead of, you know, putting it together in adult life compared to our other two main characters, and has no need... It doesn't really feel yep. the need to brag about it. She's cut. I would also, there's a, 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 a stray line here that, you know, we have sometimes talked about whether, how much J.K. Rowling understands, like, kids and teenagers mm-hmm. or not. She does understand, I think, deeply the ways in which teenage girls interact with each other. Because after this big reveal, she has this line, Parvati was gazing at Hermione in unflattering (laughs) disbelief. I like that line. And that is a thousand, I have seen this a thousand times at high school dances. (laughs) Like, this is a real thing. I I imagine that was probably the single most gratifying thing to Hermione, too. Just to throw in everything else. Because the other girls have never been particularly Mm. kind to her. No. Yeah. casually indifferent or ignoring her existence often at best. So to see them and just... Mm-hmm. Hmm? And like, yeah. I was just going to say, and like frequently annoyed with her in class. Um, so, not an easy relationship she has with the girls so around to her. to see them just yeah. f- utterly flabbergasted at her beating them at girl things, <laughs> I'm sure Hermione was just seeing stars at these kind of moments. So the question is, did she find books or have outside help? <laughs> And who would be to, the outside help? To make this transformation. Oh, 100%. Uh, if you, Dobby. I think it was Dobby. <laughs> yeah, work into your theory that McGonagall's there to help, help out with that kind of thing. Plenty of years of experience. Oh, McGonagall. Yeah, okay, yes. so McGonagall gets around, but I don't think she has much fashion sense given the she, it, tartan it, 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 It's covering there. her Saturday dress. She's ready to rip out of it at any time. <laughs> okay. Uh uh, maybe maybe Hermione's gone to some of the oh, paintings. Oh, very possible. Some of them are quite trendy. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. I'm surprised you didn't mention the return of Percy, PJ. I would have thought you found that the most insufferable thing possible. <laughs> he's he's mean, not only back, he's back in weird. a position of power and is very aware of it. And, I well, so I didn't wheeze about it, mostly because Harry thought what I had to say, which is... <laughs> Really? Like, does he still call you Weatherby? Like, what's going on here? 
from his perspective, it's not only that he's the assistant who's being asked to stand in at a boring f public function that Crouch cannot be bothered to attend. He's viewing himself as the heir apparent that is acting in Crouch's stead, which I would have loved to have heard or seen what Crouch's instructions were, but I strongly <laughs> doubt that they included anything about debating policy with other members of the ministry. Probably not. Um, it was probably more like, how much foreshadowing can we cram into your brief appearance? <laughs> Making a note. <laughs> Or I'm reading something in it different than Good. you are. Uh, Crouch and Bagman have both been decisively off since the World Cup. Bagman's been acting yep. weird and was acting weird at the time. And Crouch is just outright missing. And we had the character explicitly say he's been off and sick and stressed since that event. When J.K. Yes. Rowling does foreshadowing, she doesn't do it lightly. So I'm thinking this is important. I will make, keep, make a point to continue to keep track of this. Okay, okay. Then yes, just we make... agree on basically what Percy was doing with, <laughs> with his want, time I here. I just want to make sure what you weren't saying that, that, we had some, that Percy was in some way going to be massively relevant to the plot, which that would have been a surprise to me. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying that he, he's, he's the Percy yes. the foreshadower. Like... <laughs> uh, Watching Dumbledore and Karkaroff fencing was kind of fun, uh, just to see them just uh, duel a little bit with their words as they go about things. I would have, I would be, I'll, I'll save it more for questions, but I'm curious as to how much more the uh, headmasters actually interact with each other, because book seems to frame it as if this is a relatively rare thing. Uh, uh, this, I think this is one of the times where we see that Dumbledore is okay with punching down, because he clearly is. <laughs> mm -hmm. And, like, you know, there's some people that he considers more his like closer mm -hmm. to his level like maybe moody uh snape's not but like he's a hundred percent casting shade like yes. in droves yeah. right now which which is an interesting look for him like i know that he's doing it in kind of a sarcastic and entertaining way but like different than he usually is but, but i also you know this is such an interesting interaction because like i also like that dumbledore is simultaneously as you said bj like punching down at karkaroff but he's also, like, got this, he knows full well his reputa reputation as a sort of, like, madcap, doddering mm -hmm. old man. And, like, mm -hmm. he is able to steer social situations by yeah. using mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Um, and, like, it's such a, like, Dumbledore thing mm -hmm. to do. Um, but oh, yeah. by the time you get to the end of this interaction, like, it feels like even Karkaroff has sort of forgotten that they were having a tiff <laughs> at the beginning of it. It's like, why are we talking about bathrooms? Okay. <laughs> why have you done... I guess three quarters of a page yeah. on <laughs> the magically appearing bathroom. Dumbledore right. is the grandmaster of having a conversation with someone. They smile and leave the conversation as, as they're walking down the hall. They stop and go, did he just insult me? What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Delayed reaction conversation bombs. Uh, Sarah's united. Floor, one hell of a pill, this chapter. She's... <laughs> I haven't heard someone call the pill in a long time, but that's exactly what she It is, is rough. <laughs> she is having the worst of times, apparently until the end when she has a nice snog in a rose bush, but otherwise she just cannot be bothered to even be polite about the festivities that have been put on. Every at every opportunity, she is sniping with national furor. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm... On things I'm kind of disappointed about this chapter, the Weird Sisters were so background in a way that I hope that we get a little bit more time with them. Is that they're, we get their name, we get the description that they're hairy, we get a description of their instruments and a vague talk about their music and some changed tempos, and that's it. And I found that more than a little bit disappointing when you've been b building up these characters for at least a couple chapters now. That they are effectively just window dressing. Uh, as you noted, BJ, BJ Ludo Bagman and McGonagall, 
having a nice dance. Seems like McGonagall, at least at parties, feels the need to at least metaphorically let her hair down. Uh, in terms of other confrontations, Snape and Karkaroff. That was interesting. Uh... Two of them talking about, I mean, this is just the conversation of, haven't you seen the signs? It's going to happen. Shouldn't we get the hell out of Dodge? And Snape essentially calling Karkaroff a coward and run if you want to. Y- yes, BJ, I, know who, I knew, knew what the reference was too. It's totally Twisted Sister. Um, so I, it's interesting because we've had this so many other times that uh, the amount of Snape is evil that we've had in the past three and a half books... It, and it never turns out to be it's the case. It's got to be true. Some it's got to um, be true. Some coming up at some point because, as you said, every other prior book is is Snape involved? Is Snape involved? And Snape, of course he's involved. Nope, nope, he's not involved. He was undermining the plan the whole time. <laughs> Plot of the last few books, down to a nose. Um, I mean, this is the turning point in this series, I believe that that Sarah keeps telling us. So maybe we finally get Snape being evil. But I think that we finally probably get more of a okay snape's an asshole but like what, what the fun thing is evil. it seems like no one really knows it seems like everybody on both sides assumes that he's totally on their side he's the ultimate double agent he could be working everybody against each other because karkarov is sure. a follower of voldemort the books is pretty much explicitly said that and they appear to be talking about the idea that voldemort's coming back in some some shape or form and the yeah. fact he's having an honest conversation with snape about this seems to suggest he still thinks that snape is a loyal follower which dumbledore seems to strongly think he isn't one of them, I would assume, is wrong, but that's not necessarily true. Snape may just be about Team Snape. Who could say? Uh, I mean, well, Moody doesn't like Snape, but he seems to have a an eye for Indeed such things. In terms of surprisingly meaningful conversations, though it's not the one that his partner wanted to have, oh, Hagrid, that was a really yeah. touching conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, they went out there and everybody assumed, including his date, that it was going to be just this romantic pitch about, I knew I knew I was in love with you the first moment I saw you. But no, he has something <laughs> profoundly more meaningful to say. It's that I knew I could talk with you and share an exp- and you know share about my time and you could share about yours in a way that I've never been able to do. And that's really meaningful to me and perhaps far more important than just a brief snog in a rose bush. Not that we'd either of us would ever fit in a rose bush around here anyway. <laughs> Uh, and it makes it all the more tragic that he very much bars his soul in a way we've never heard before. We didn't know any of this, right? This is all new information. Mm-hmm. This is, like, painful information, too. This is clearly something yeah. he's been bottling up and keeping in a very painful way for a long time. And he uncorks it, spills it all out there, and she completely rebuffs him. Doesn't even want to be associated with the label he's tried to put on the, on her. Which is simultaneously tragic for this character, and he just has to wander off alone into the darkness afterwards. It also, again, reveals just how utterly speciest racist this world is. We have an entirely new category of it that I didn't know we were going to have. I mean, when we get follow-ups from Ron, and you know, if you ever need somebody to uh, jump on that bandwagon, (laughs) we have Ron. Ron is, is always the one to, let's... Kindly say that it is to explain the racism that infests this And now world. to go yes. for our bigotry byline, uh, Ron. <laughs> it, it, uh, what is it? Fantastic Beasts and Where to Dog Whistle About Them is Ron's book. It also leads to a weird moment, too, of Ron just casually saying, Oh, yeah, there used to be giants here, but you know, they were violent. They were mean. But then the Aurors killed them all. And we just go over that sentence. It's like, mm-hmm. what? Yep. 
You kind of implied that they deserved it, but I don't trust you on that kind of that kind of judgment call. You just said the you know yeah. essentially the magical FBI police of this world eradicated a species, what? which is also like it, they seem to be associating them with. I think it was orcs, trolls, uh, like trolls. That's right. Mm-hmm. So like other species which are classically evil, and given the role of. Horrors, I think we are being led to believe that giants are part of that, like, evil cast well, of things. It's, it's just such a weird thing, though, is the trolls are seemingly described previously as being either non-sentient or so stupid as to be on the cusp of it. Giants, from what we're seeing, are a sapient yeah. race. They're intelligent. They're capable of interacting. They're capable of maintaining relationships, apparently. And this talk about just casually eradicating them when they're, allowing, when they're willing to allow dangerous species like dragons to just roam free out there in the wilderness is... Wait, what's... Maybe they have some sort of hallowed position. You just keep on making references, BJ. I feel like, I feel like I'm just either going over my head or I need to write down. Um, I already <laughs> stole my joke about Cedric being a good egg, so I'm going to breeze over that other than to say that he definitely is. <laughs> I mean, this is almost an unnecessary gesture. I mean, Harry didn't ask for anything in return. would totally not expect anything in return. But he made a point of helping out Harry with respect to this that was... Important, because do we have bets about how long or if Harry would have ever solved that one? I don't think he ever would have gotten there. I'm going to be honest. Like, when we see what needs to happen, like, I don't think he would have gotten there. Yeah. Um, Um, I would also like to point out, this is a little bit of a spoiler, but Cedric's generosity in this moment goes way beyond the surface. This prefix bathroom he's given him the password to is baller. I'm curious to see that. (laughs) Yeah, we, uh, we do that, get a weird, very strange bathroom scene um, coming up. But like, mm-hmm. <laughs> All the bathrooms seem That's to be true. really weird, and we have a lot of bathroom-centric things yeah. in these books. Not only is there a ghost who clogs uh-huh. toilets. In, in an abandoned um, bathroom, too, weirdly, as well, I think. Yeah. Well, abandoned because of her. Or are you talking about the other We got options bathroom? there. There's been this entire bit, and are you referred to the one that Dumbled- the Dumbledore even described this chapter? Is that th- yeah? There, there, there are such bathroom problems that there has to be a roving bathroom that you yes. just discover in the middle of the night. I hadn't really thought about it, but there is at least one bathroom scene every book, isn't there? And it's a weird, magical, disused, or strange bathroom every time. Mm-hmm. And also super problematic if they're chamber pots. House elves just apparate yeah. in where they're near. House to be. elves. <laughs> yeah, they're drawn to it when it occurs. Uh, Final point for me. Uh, Honestly, the book didn't need to tell me at the end that Hermione read that situation correctly when it came to the confrontation with Ron. (laughs) Appreciate that J.K. Rowling always feels the need to beat me over the head with things that are going to be important later, but yeah, read the tea leaves. Hermione was obviously, obviously correct with why Ron was being an abject dick this whole chapter. We get the scene earlier of just Ron and his girlfriend, who is Padma, or his date is Padma, Mm -hmm. and then... Harry mm-hmm. and Paravati, I think I got that right, mm-hmm. are sitting yep. together at a table, every one of them looking pissed off because the, the uh, two guys won't dance and are just staring at the girls they actually want to be with, and the other two girls feel rightfully very put off. And it's like that Harry and Ron aren't even conscious of the fact of how utterly rude they're being to their dates during the course of this. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does seem very No, it's boy, very authentic but, yeah. in that regard, but it doesn't also say great things about the two of them compared to how much grown-up adult <laughs> Hermione looks throughout all of this chapter. Yeah, but I do want to point out that the way that that, that this is done, that, her, that Hermione had the right read on the situation, is even weirder given that, because... It's Harry yeah. realizing this, not mm-hmm. not the semi-omniscient, sometimes first 
sort of sometimes third person narrator mm-hmm. it's harry mm-hmm. and it's just like of all people to be weirdly perceptive in this moment <laughs> harry is the wrong person well, uh that's all i've got uh sarah we have a i feel options when it comes to who won the house cup this time around high high highs and yes. low lows in this chapter <laughs> like let's be very clear um so let's start with the winners, because I feel like there are fewer yes. options yes. for so, winners. So, so contenders. Um, I mean, I think Hermione is the obvious uh, front runner. Hermione is is certainly there. Um, I'll tell you who else has got to be on the list is is Fleur's yeah, date. I was going to say that Hunter Davies. <laughs> Man had a good day. Yeah, he might be magicked into having a great time, but right. he does seem to be having a great time. Like I don't more, think more like you know that. why people watch Hypnotoad, but. <laughs> I mean, they're like Dobby. Dobby, Dobby does have a good day, a really very yeah. good day. Um, although, you know, I got to put at the top of my list, real contender, Percy. Percy has a great Percy day. Percy had a day. Yeah, Percy and has a great weird, day. Because every other time Percy has a good day, there's some element of comeuppance. There's some element of the universe just letting out the whoopee cushion of his life, just a little bit. And we get none of that. It's just a good day. No. Yeah. He is annoyed at Fred and George, but when when is he not annoyed at Fred the and George? The gave him ammunition to screw over Fred and George, too. So he has advanced notice That's and true. can spoil their yeah. fun. That, but that also, Fred and George have a good day. Yes. They get mm-hmm. to talk shop yep. and have have possible uh, purchasers for for you, some you, of their items. You also think Bagman's going to remember long enough that he gets back to base to remember to write down a note that, to, to call them again? I think they will call him. I don't think this is, this is something that he has to worry about remembering. They do, they do not leave you a choice. Well, you've got um, options, Sarah. Who wins? Well, I feel like I just had another option pop up for me, but it is gone now. So, oh, Dumbledore. Dumbledore had a great... Dumbledore had a good day, too. Um, I The only thing that gives me a little bit of pause in choosing Hermione as the winner for this chapter. Although she had the high, I would say that Hermione had the highest mm-hmm. of highs in this chapter. Um, mm-hmm. The reveal scene was particularly clutch for her. I'm going to love to see that on screen. It's got to be a powerful moment. Yes. It, and that, I will say that yeah. that is, de- the Yule Ball is a sort of pivotal moment in this, in this fourth movie. Um, but well, as you, as we've discussed, it's how they end the chapter. Yes. And I think that's where you're getting yeah, I, there are actually a couple of moments kind of sprinkled throughout the chapter where it is within the confines of this chapter, it is unclear how much she is like legitimately angry and upset at Ron being mm-hmm. Ron. We've had moments yeah. in other chapters where like actually her getting to kind of bless out Ron <laughs> Part- is actually adds to her enjoyment Part of, the, of the day. Yeah. I'm not sure at the end of this chapter that this was like a, a fun time for her um it's even, in doing it's even, that. it's even unique too because she ends the chapter on a decisive win she's rendered ron utterly flabbergasted he has no no response to what she just said at all she's won a conversation away she almost never gets with ron but it's not in a way that makes yeah. her happy Mm-mm. i don't i don't think it is um so i'm actually a little uncomfortable awarding her house points um, I will say that she has won house points, but she has also lost house points, and we will move on to... Yes, um, net positive, but not the winner. Not the winner. Um, 
I don't. I I think I'm gonna give it to Percy. This chapter. <laughs> never happened before. Okay. Never happened before. I think that Percy has won this chapter. Oh, don't don't tell him. Um, He's so smug. No, no, nobody can ever tell him. But <laughs> <laughs> um, loser, we have a lot of options oh. for loser. Uh, Ron clearly, yeah. clearly bottom of the barrel in this chapter. Um, just mostly of his own making, which and is, when is, is it the not, most really? Ron things. Yeah. <laughs> um. Ron at the bottom of the barrel in this chapter, I would say that Malfoy mm-hmm. also, although we mm-hmm. mostly only see him at the beginning of the chapter, not good. Uh, Hagrid. Our body twins. They ended up okay. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, Hagrid, yeah. Hagrid, I, I, that it was such a heartbreaking moment for him. And you called it, Spencer, him walking away back to his hut in like the middle of the festivities <laughs> at the end of this. Really difficult. Um Yes, the the Padman uh, Parvati Patel, not great. Although I do believe that some Durmstrang students oh, came it, up and asked them to dance at the end of it, and they seem to have an okay time by the end of it. Bobotons. Oh, were yes. they Bobatons? They are. They're Durmstrang in the movie, yes. so that I got a little confused on that point. Um, gotcha. So I don't know. Let's. I would like some input for from you all because for me it is like pretty clearly between Hagrid and Ron in this chapter for losers. I, I mean, I think Ron doesn't get it because he gets the silver lining. He gets Hermione saying, you idiot, just ask me out first. And while he's not in a state to accept that because he's an idiot. And may not be in a state for several more books to accept that because he continues to be an idiot. I'm going to agree. I think Ron gets punched more times. But Hagrid gets knocked to the mat. It it was yeah, so, real yeah. sort of sucker Ron punch, always yeah. fucks up. Ron always digs his own grave. Mm-hmm. It's how he works in this universe, and he somehow finds a way to crawl back out. Hagrid's in a deep dark hole alone in a way that we've never seen him, and he probably has never really even felt. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I agree. I will. I will give that. I I will easily give the give the L. This chapter to Hagrid. If you want to talk about repeated motifs, Um, I've now learned bathrooms and Hagrid being really goddamn sad are things that have to happen every book, and I'm only okay with one of those things. (laughs) I mean, at least we didn't have, like, a pet of his being beheaded or something along those lines. That's true. So, I mean, this is an emotional punch, but... I, I have a feeling that, that he will hopefully recover. Um, also, maybe Harry isn't the worst and we'll talk to him about it. Um, <laughs> Come on, dude. But that is a hope that's 100% not going to go I'm hoping anywhere. that uh, our, I'm blanking on her name, Maxine? Maxime. Has enough grace to at the least come back to have maybe. a conversation. Whether she's willing to accept the label or not, you need to go talk to the man and exit on better terms than that. yeah. I mean, but they're in private when, when she tells it. Like, <laughs> sort of. There's a lot of... Ro- Except this garden is the least private place in the Sure. When she but yelled, like... people literally fell out of rose bushes around her and scampered away. <laughs> True. But they they thought that they were in private. Or they were at least in private for people of their size. Uh, but yeah, that was... It, I don't know. It It's disappointing to see, but unsurprising. Um, speaking of unsurprising questions... This, this is more of a confirmation that everybody's on the same page. The end of this chapter is very much Hermione revealing that she may have feelings for Ron, right? Or at least that I, I don't she think knows, that there's a question. Yeah. At the very least that she knows that he has feelings would for inter- her. And would entertain an yeah. offer. Is not like completely off-put by right. that idea. So yes. we've had a couple suggestions yes. in the past of where like Ron would compliment her and she'd have a little bit of a blush. So it may not be the same level that Ron apparently is at, but it 
she's not opposed to the idea. I, it suddenly gives me serious doubts yeah. as to her taste, but, you know, you do your girl. I, you know, we, we talked a little bit about um, going along with your captors, a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome. I have a feeling that, you know, this is taking a little bit further. Apparently. <laughs> She's been stuck with them for three and a half books. But apparently, unlike Ron and Harry, Hermione has a social life outside of them. She has a world. You have options, girl. You don't need to fall to one of these two dweebs. And one of them is an international Quidditch star. So maybe go that way. There is the international Quidditch star. But to be fair, she has a social life in the library and whoever happens to be there. something. So (laughs) at least you know where to find her. Do we believe her when she says he came to her? I, I'm not doubting her at all. I believe that, yes. Yes, because I don't think that she was like... I mean, I think that she was like... She so showed a little bit of interest in him at the at the Quidditch match. She had a crush on him early on in this But book. I don't think that, that she is at all the type of person who would like actively go out of her way to pursue that. Especially if it meant right. kind of leaving her comfort zone. I also don't think she would lie about it either. I don't think she has any reason to yeah, lie about so- it. She had an internationally famous sports star be nervous to ask her out on a date and keep on coming to the library at several times. She just showed up all of the other beautiful girls of her class. This is a girl who... Can I also... the One of the best things about these interactions between uh, Hermione and Victor Crumb in, in this chapter is that Crumb stands in as a sort of like 12-year-old American reader stand-in who has never yep. seen Hermione as a name before and has been mispronouncing it reading out loud what, 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 for three whole books what, what, at this point. Hermione is, is, is the pronunciation that we have agreed upon now. What were the ones that he went with? I'm trying to remember. I'm trying yeah. to... Oh, here he, we go. He was, um, he was doing Hermione, Hermione. Which is how I pronounced it, I think, when I was reading the books to my mom, the first mm-hmm. books to my mom. Uh, and then Hermione. Good enough. Which is fine. Hermione. That, that's her name from now on. Yep. Two of them had a, apparently a very pleasant date. They enjoyed a dance. They enjoyed a drink. They had a delightful conversation. He's apparently about to invite her to come back to the school with him. You... It seemed great. I am on. Yeah. I am consistently unclear on the Hermione and Ron and why Victor Crumb was, is not more of a thing. Uh, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't get it. If, if, if the books are going in this direction, I'm going to be a little bit just. They're going to have to sell me on it more because Ron, Ron as a character <laughs> is such a rough edge to get used to. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. J.K. Rowling is going heavy into logistics and figuring out how to best ship things. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah. Any questions, B.J.? Um, surprisingly, no. I mean, I, I guess the other side of this is, like, nothing happens in this chapter, kind of. Yeah. I mean, like, there are always questions about Hogwarts and, you know, how the rooms moving about works and stuff like that. Um, but, I mean, for the most part, it's only a thing when we want to be entertaining about Hogwarts. It's never a thing otherwise, so... <laughs> eh. One last one yeah. for me, and then we can wrap things up. Uh, it, it's it. I love the little con- fencing conversation between Dumbledore and Karkarov. It seems like, though, that, the, that, that Dumbledore and the other headmasters don't actually interact necessarily that much, or at least not Dumbledore and Karkarov. He seems like he's had a bit of a prior relationship with Maxine, but even that appears like it's been a bit distant. Is a regular interaction between the heads of these schools not a normal thing? It doesn't... Not really, No. Um, we will find out later in this book and in books to come what that looks like mm-hmm. going forward, um, which might be a little different than it has looked in the past. But, you know, by and by and large, I think that these these schools end up being pretty autonomous. And, and Maxime seems just like pretty aloof. Dumbledore is Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
And Karkaroff seems scared of both of them, so... So I would also say that Karkarov seems of the right age to be, uh, well, a follower of Voldemort, which also Mm -hmm. probably means that, like, Dumbledore will probably have interacted with all of the old wizards. And so that he's a much younger wizard is probably, I would guess that Dumbledore had a relationship with Mm -hmm. his predecessor. Yeah, that might be the case. And so, you know, he, you don't always talk to emeritus faculty. Well, that's an interesting <laughs> point, too, because Maxine is indeed half-giant, which the chapter pretty much explicitly states, and, you know, physicality on all that. Mm-hmm. She presumably has the same extended lifespan that uh, Hagrid does. So that could explain mm-hmm. why the two of them have a better inter- have a better prior interaction. They've got pet names, is that, like you're saying, BJ, they may just have been around each other longer. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and my guess is, like, the, the World Cup everybody's going to interact somewhat. So even if they don't have like school to school interactions, they have, we're all here and we're old people. So we're going to talk to each other because that's how relationships work at a certain point. <laughs> if you if you live long enough, your friends are literally chosen well, for you. I was going to say, it's like, you know, sort of the opposite of kids. Like kids, like, well, you're the same age as me. So I guess we're going to be friends. <laughs> And it's kind of the same. Well, you're still, you're about the same age as me. You're, you're still, still alive. Are you going to say you're still alive? I can only go so far with this walker and you're there. Um, so I will, I do have one question, which you won't answer because it's about pictures, which is how did they get alcohol in the pictures? Like, you, you know, is there some sort of replenishing uh, source? Do they grow things? Like it, is this well, yeah, something I'm sure that, that there are like do? landscapes of vineyards. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> that Sir Cadigan takes the picked grapes over to the monks who are. <laughs> you know that Sir Cadigan stamps those grapes. <laughs> They're himself. putting the wine in barrels. <laughs> yes, and then it gets redistributed between the other paintings. <laughs> at, like I don't understand what's complicated about this. In a BJ. world with endless elixirs, Sarah, you had to invent a scenario of where we're doing painted grapes making wine. <laughs> Okay, that that's canon now. This is how this actually works. So, so th- I just want to point out that you are fully leaning into the completely separate world in the paintings, which I heartily agree with. I just want to make sure that we're all on the uh, same I'm canvas not. as it were. Yes, but it has to like actually be consistent with something that is happening in some painting that you can get to or from. This this isn't an, this isn't a world that just has windows into it. This isn't like a fixed endless plane of existence that we're just having little limited glances into. It's a world within a world you could travel in between each of them, but it's just the picture. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, this well, is, now that we have that straight, this thank is you, Spencer. actually uh, been fun. Just um, in contrast to some of the last episodes when I have been thoroughly annoyed with both of you by the end of them. You, you, you uh, had, a, so you had next, a long recap. We wanted to be nice this time around. <laughs> um, next time around, we are doing chapter twenty-four, which is Rita Skeeter's school, and we have a very interesting picture to go along with it um i think somebody's trying to do a cowboy hat maybe i'm unclear i have never seen that as a hat that has oh i wonder if it's a wizard's hat we just can't see the top okay and just clipped off it does seem like that's a very wide brim for a wizard hat yeah that's that's like a wicked witch of the west wizard hat yeah really wrong but the um man wearing it does also appear to be wearing robes so it would make sense that it is it is possibly a um well you say a man wearing it whose hands seem well, smaller it's, than it's Hagrid and his dad right yes yeah that's the Which presumption is, I guess suddenly makes me really really sad <laughs> if we're gonna have a 
Yeah, we are. We are um, getting in the weeds. We are not done with this. Story. I'm glad we're not. It was really. It was a really a meaningful moment we got in the last chapter. I'd be disappointed if that's just swept under the rug and Hagrid's just okay next time we see him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, um, well, looking forward to exploring uh, Harry's Hagrid's harried childhood. Um, this was fun, y'all. Looking forward to next time. Yep.